my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Black Girls Heal podcast, where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders, unresolved trauma, and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others. Every episode, we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth. I'm Sheena Lachey, love addiction coach and trauma specialist. Let's begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Black Girls Heal podcast. I hope that you are doing well and feeling amazing wherever you are, however this podcast episode finds you. I hope that you are surrounded by people who love you, pour into you and treat you with the love and care that you deserve. And if you are not around those people, I hope that this helps you get one step closer to being in those types of relationships and groups. So with that said, today we are starting our second series for 2024. Uh, So I shared at the top of the year, we were going to have a four-part series where we are going to be focused on building ourselves up to make sure that we are changing our lives and that we are going in a new direction and that we are not repeating the same patterns from before. So for the first few weeks of 2024, we were focused on ourselves. We I called it our me month, where we were looking at building our relationship with ourselves and really building um, a self-romance by looking at how we show up in relationships. And at the time that you were listening to this, we would have had our workshop on building a self-romance to accumulate um, as a culmination of all of the things that we learned. And today we are starting our Mama Trauma Month, our Mother Month. And this is where we're going to be looking at our relationships with our mothers and mother wounds and how that may play a part in how we show up in relationships, specifically by way of love addiction and love avoidance. So our traumas, the things that happened to us or did not happen to us that we may have needed uh, by way of maybe childhood self, childhood emotional neglect or things like that, definitely create templates that dictate whether or not we feel safe in this world, um, how we show up, what is a threat and what's not a threat, whether or not we fight for ourselves, whether or not we try to appease and make other people happy, whether or not we resist and we pull away and we put walls up. All of this starts in childhood and what we learn from those relationships. And our relationship with our mother is our first relationship. So it's foundational for everything. And of course, all of our caregivers, all the relationships matter, but this is the most intimate one. Um, In fact, science has shown that we we can start to feel and create trauma when we are in the womb. So before we even exit the womb, the emotions that our mother feels towards us, the things that are going on in her own life, the traumas that she's going through, all of that gets incepted into us as little children. And so um, this is, again, one of our, probably the relationship outside of ourselves. This is probably the second most important relationship and us coming to terms with healing uh, the trauma that comes with it if we did not have a healthy relationship with our mother. Um, And that even includes if 
over the years and as she has grown and she has healed and um, learned some things about herself or as you've become, you've gotten better boundaries. If y'all have had a reconciliation, that is amazing. And we still have to clear out, release, heal some of the thoughts and beliefs that were given to us or that we adopted as little girls into our adulthood so that we can be free and create messages that actually um, ring true and that are healthy and supportive to us. So today we're going to be focused on uh, those of us who may have mother-daughter relationships where we feel like our mother is competitive with us, um, which has caused a lot of unrest. And so we're going to break that down today and talk about what that looks like. So let's jump on in. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Okay, so I have a question for you. On a scale of zero to five, where zero is, I don't think about it at all, and five is, I'm fully connected, how on top of your hormone health are you? If you said zero to one, it is time to build that connection. Your hormones and your cycle are central to your overall functioning and regulating your body will completely transform your mental, emotional, and physical health. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality and it shows. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. And even though it helps for more than just menopause, Hormone Harmony is great for any horrible menopausal symptoms that put a woman's life on hold, like hot flashes and night sweats, raising thoughts, low mood, poor sleep, feeling tired all the time, bloating and gas, lower sexual desire. Hormone Harmony can help with all of those things. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code BGH at checkout. Okay, so talking about our relationship with our mothers and how and why it is so paramount, if we do not do the work around this, it's going to be very, very hard for us to move forward because these messages of trauma and everything stay inside of our brain. And so or stays inside of our hearts and our spirits. And it can be really, it can feel like we are trying to fight an uphill battle to move past this. So we started to build on this and the building a self-relationship, building a self-romance workshop this past weekend, uh, where we talked a lot about uh, building a relationship with ourselves, that nurturing, some body magic stuff that I taught on. And in the upcoming workshop for motherhood trauma, which is titled Cutting Ties with Mother Wounds and Other Family Trauma. That's going to be on Saturday, February 24th at 10 a.m. CST. We're going to, we're going to be continuing this work together um, for another multi-hour workshop where we'll be going deeper into how to leave behind shame and pain that's been projected onto you that doesn't belong to you, how to build self-compassion, self-compassion and nurturance to get out of your own way, and how to create a relationship with your mother or any other family members that you can move forward with. And this includes if there's still discord there, what does this look like for us to make changes and move forward? And so you can learn more about that workshop by going to blackgirlsheal.org slash 2024, clicking on that workshop title, and then signing up there and saving your spot. 
today we're going to look at one of the types of relationships that causes a lot of that pain, which is when your mother may be competitive with you. So having a relationship with a mother who is competitive with you is deeply painful and deeply confusing as a young child because you do not know what is happening and why it's happening. You can't understand why your mother may have so much venom towards you, so much anger, so much resentment, so much disgust. You don't realize that what is happening is jealousy and a projection of her own brokenness. What it feels like is that you are wrong, that there is something wrong with you, that you are in the way, that you are a burden, that you are broken, and that you are not good enough. Um, even if your mother's competitiveness shows up in by way of narcissism, which we're going to talk specifically about narcissism on at a, another time, um, even though what we're going to be talking about here as far as a mother being competitive with you absolutely has traits of narcissism, but it doesn't necessarily mean that your mother is a narcissist. Um, but this is definitely one of the qualities that happens when there is um, narcissistic, narcissistic personality disorder at play. But even when your mother maybe is not a full narcissist, this still creates so much uh, self-doubt and maybe even self-hatred and uh, uncertainty on what is right and what is wrong, on whether or not you can trust yourself to move forward, whether or not you can trust your own decisions, whether or not your decisions are good enough. It causes a lot of confusion for you in your body because here you have someone that you truly love and want to be close with and want to build a relationship with. But then the ways that she may talk to you or treat you or put you down or be unsupportive is really angering and very frustrating and unfair and confusing. And no matter how much you may try to communicate what's happening for you, especially the older you get and the more emotional awareness and intelligence that you're able to cultivate and build on your own, trying to bring that back to the relationship. If these are things that your mother is not willing to look at, look at it is um, the gaslighting that may happen or just the straight denial and refusal is very, again, infuriating and uh, very saddening. And there's a lot of grieving that may happen. So, and then also a lot of confusion within your own self too, trying to figure out if you're making this up. You know, it doesn't, people don't talk a lot about mothers being jealous with their daughters. They, it's, and all the different types of traumas that may happen, it's something that we kind of feel, mm, I wonder if it's something that is so, abnormal that people are, or that is thought to be so abnormal that people don't think that this is something that needs to be talked about. And so because it is not talked about, we don't realize how common it is. And we also don't realize the science of what it looks like. And so when it's happening to you, you don't really know how to place it. You don't really know what label or name to put on it because that can be what's happening. My mom is a full grown adult woman. Why would she be jealous of me? What is it that I could possibly be doing as a three-year-old, a four-year-old, a five-year-old, a 25-year-old, a 35-year-old that is threatening to my mother? That can't be it. You know, maybe she just has bad days sometimes, or maybe sometimes she doesn't just doesn't have a filter. Maybe she does have some insecurities, but it's not that she's jealous of me. And we'll do, again, all these mental gymnastics to try to rationalize 
away what is happening because it's you you don't want to be the source of that because when you're on the source of that competitiveness and jealousy or depending on how it may present with your mother and I'm going to I am going to give some examples you can really want to rescue your mom from feeling that way to show her I'm not a threat I love you and I support you and you can be you and I can be me and we can both do these things together. We don't have to be at war against each other. And so you may try to placate, you may try to appease, you may try to rationalize with, and and when that's not received, again, that is hurtful. That is very hurtful and it can make you feel very helpless and overwhelmed. And so here are some examples of how competitiveness may show up in your relationship with your mother, if this is something that you have experienced before. One thing that may happen is that she may blend your identities together. So you can't have anything with her, her without her having it first or ha- her having it with you. So whether or not it is a style of dress, a hairstyle, a way of talking, a trip that you go to. Um, uh, eating style or diet, you decide you want to go vegan. Now she wants to go vegan. Um, there is definitely a consistent one-upping or wanting to merge and be you. And so that may happen. You may also find that she is highly critical, either highly critical of the choices that you make or highly bored by what you are doing or your accomplishments. So whatever you have going on, she's shooting it down. It's uh, not good enough. She could have done it better. She heard of somebody else doing it better. Um, Just really minimizing what is important to you and acting as if it is insignificant, frivolous, immature, a waste of time, or just really pulling out all the energy in the room so that when you do say something that you are happy about or proud of, she's so disinterested that it makes you feel as if what you're doing, again, is worthless. And so it, um, I see this a lot with my clients and my students who may have a mother who is competitive with them or jealous of them. And they, I, I've gotten this question so many times, there's something good that is happening in their life or something that they're really excited about and they're telling everyone and they really want to tell their mom. And so their, their question is, well, how do I tell my mom this? Cause sometimes when I tell her she is not happy for me or she um, has something negative to say. And so I really don't want it to be that way. So what is the right way for me to say this so that she does not attack or minimize what it is that I want to bring? And so we'll talk about it, but the short verse that I want to tell y'all here is that your mom's response, especially if this is a consistent pattern in your life and you've already had different conversations with her about these types of things, this is not about presentation. It's not about delivery. It's not about communication patterns and styles. It's about your mother's own brokenness and her need to downplay and put others down that makes her react or not react in this way. And that is not under your locus of control. When you're a young child, you grow up with this belief that you have more power and influence than you actually do. By nature of just just development, childhood development, we go through different stages where the world truly is centered on us. And so we believe that we cause things. We believe that we are the center of things. Most of us, you know, went through a stage where we wondered if we might've even had superpowers and if we could 
turn off the lights or bring things to us or whatever it may be, because that's part of not only a child building their imagination, but also learning their place in the world. So when you have a life that has a lot of chaos and discord around it, a lot of neglect or a lot of abuse, you can think that you are the reason why mommy is so sad, or you are the reason why the relationships are not working out, or you are the reason why everyone is so stressed, not realizing that there is a whole big world that is happening and was happening before you even got here. And the emotional maturity and health of a grown adult person has nothing to do with you, that they're the one who's in charge of building their own set of skills and and ability to show up without putting that pressure and traumatizing other people, especially young children around them. But you as a young child, you don't know that. And so you just grow up this with this belief that it is your responsibility to fix and to appease and to make others comfortable. So in this example, this is it just makes sense that this is how this shows up. How can I show up in a way that makes this easier because you think that what is happening here is about you, but it's not about you. It has never been about you. You may be the target of what's happening. You may be the person that's been scapegoated for most of your life. You may be the one who has been, that problems have been blamed on, but we just know, just you just know in general that if you ever meet someone who's always saying that this other person is the problem, that is that person's fault, at some point, you got to look at that person and say, okay, well, then what are you going to do about it? If this person is so horrible and you are in a relationship with them, then it sounds like you need to change your mindset and do something different. Otherwise, you're choosing to be miserable, right? At, at some point, you got to stop blaming other people for how you feel. And so if your mother has been blaming you for her depression, for her sadness, for her anger, for the re- reasons why she is behind in life, sounds like she needs to do something different and make a decision to choose to have her power back. Because lamenting about what could have been and what should have been is not making her bring, not bringing her any closer to her freedom. If anything, it's making her feel worse. And and there's not enough blame and projection that's going to get your time back. As long as you have breath in your lungs right now and power in your bodies and the ability to move forward and a sound mind, you have the resources to make a change. And it, it may be hard and it may be very big, but that's not the same thing as impossible. I'll say that again. Something may be really hard and it could be a really giant task to do, but that's not the same as it being impossible unless you decide that it's impossible. And so it's up to you as a daughter, if you are a daughter in this situation, to understand that you are not in charge of moving your mother's mountains and rocks that that is her role. It's always been her role. Your role is only what's in front of you. Another example of how this competitiveness may show up is the same things that she is criticizing you and telling you that it's not good enough or is dumb or is frivolous are the exact same things after she's convinced you to not do it that she picks it up herself to do. Uh, she may try to or have has been successful in taking friends from you, taking lovers from you, uh, showing that she still got it by way of humiliating you and showing that she's better than you. So these are all examples of, um, of a mother-daughter relationship that is competitive. And so I've already shared how this impacts us and by way of making us feel as if we are to blame 
but in relationships, it makes us more susceptible to being codependent. It makes us more susceptible to not really knowing ourselves and loving ourselves. It makes it harder for us to trust others. Uh, you know, that was one of the things that I would see, especially when I first started the recovery school program, is all the women who would come in with discord with their mothers and by way of being in our group calls, seeing a lot of their fear and animosity or distrust of women dissipate because now they are in a safe community with other women who are actually moving forward and actually can communicate and actually are not going to hold a grudge and are actually going to communicate. And so seeing that that was possible was in itself just mind-blowing and healing, and it helped to give hope that this exists in the real world. (laughs) outside of the internet and outside outside of our little safe space and bubble and help to create more change. And when you're not loved or seen or esteemed by your first relationships, it also sets the stage for you to not know or expect to be loved and to be esteemed and to be cherished by the people around you as well. You don't know what tenderness looks like. You you are used to that negging that I talked about a few episodes back of someone giving you a backhanded compliment. I did. I was thinking today about there was one example of nagging that I didn't give, but I think it may fit here, uh, a personal example. So there was a guy that I was dating that turned out to be a narcissist. And uh, well, I kind of, I mean, I saw the red flags, <laughs> but um, he was a narcissist and one, and he was really into music and there was one time and he would always be having conversations with his friends and everything about music and things. And I would, you know, I would try to give my opinion and he would just kind of gloss over it and not really pay attention to it. And um, so for me at that point in time, not realizing that this was a red flag, it kind of made me want to prove myself more. And it made me want to show that I could fit in. I didn't see his dismissal of me as that being a red flag. I just saw, okay, it's just personality difference. He just like really gets into his conversations. I didn't see, I did not have the concept that no one should be disrespecting you. And no matter whether or not you had a degree in music or whatever it may be, that just basic respect is a minimum expectation. So anyways, he was really into music and I recommended a music artist and we were all driving, me and a group of his friends, we were driving one night here in Houston to wherever we were going. And so they put this music artist on and it was great music because I have good taste. (laughs) And he was like, oh, wow, that was a really good suggestion. and like genuine surprise that I could even suggest something that was of good good quality. And I remember being a little bit perturbed by it, being like, of course, like if you would just listen to me, then of course I could do more things. But again, I didn't realize the amount of disrespect and the meaning attitude that came in that to just question or to state along with assuming that someone like me could ever have such good taste in anything. And so that type of negging behavior was 
not on my radar as bad behavior because I have been used to criticisms, backhanded compliments, me needing to prove myself, people not respecting my opinion just because um, me having to kind of have a wall up in defense with this stuff, right? And so these types of things make you more susceptible to be in relationships that are not safe from the start. And so more reason for us to look at these wounds and where they come from and also getting out of it. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. As our country continues to grow and make new meaning of the intersection between current and historical events, it is so important to stay connected to the voices and the leaders who are influencing what progress, connection, equality, and truth mean to us as Black people. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection from some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. So we're going to be talking about this more at our workshop on Saturday the 24th at 10 a.m., the Cutting Ties with Mother Wounds workshop and what to do about this. But for now, let's talk about some of the reasons why your mother may be competitive with you. And I've already shared a little bit about this in the first half of this episode, but what I have found, and this could just be a me thing, this could just be the way that my brain operates, but I find that sometimes I find healing and having some understanding of why something is happening versus it being this big kind of ethereal abstract thing that I can't put a hand on or put a label on. And I think that's also, I mean, that's been the basic premise of this podcast, right? One of, and I talked about it more in the earlier episodes when I was talking about my healing from love addiction. I was doing all these things when it came to relationships and and pushing people away and letting people in and acting addictive and, and being really codependent and just losing my mind while I am supposed to be an expert in helping people with relationships. Your girl got a whole master's in marriage and family therapy. I'm helping other people change their life. And meanwhile, my life is in shambles behind the scenes. And so just really wondering what is going on there. And so when I finally found the term love addiction and I could find the symptoms for it and the 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 process out of it or what people were saying was the process out of it at that point, it relieved something in me. It released something in me, this pressure and weight that I felt like this was my fault or there was something that was wrong with me 
because I just couldn't get it right. And it, and my friends could get it right. And my friends could have securely attached relationships. And my friends could go through breakups without not having to be stuck in bed for so, so long and having their complete existence be questioned because now they were single again, or now they were going through this big heartbreak, you know, no one else felt the depths at that point. And so finding words for what I was going through just really helped me know that I wasn't alone. And because there was a word for it and because there were descriptors of it, that it could be defined meant that there was a way out, right? Meant that there was a solution for it. And so I'm going to give you a couple of reasons here today in hopes that this can either hit on what you may have seen or know about your mother or um, maybe spark some connections to other things you have seen or heard before, but for you to ultimately know that this is not you, that this is not your fault, and to help you move forward. Okay. So the first reason why your mother may be competitive with you, her child, is that she has dreams unfulfilled that you embody or that you have the time and access and the resources to go and get that she has not gotten. And so she is jealous of that. You represent for her uh, dreams that are lost, um, dreams that she abandoned. And this is not because you caused it, not because you are the source of this pain. But again, these are projections. It is very easy, y'all. And I know that this, I know even me just saying that out loud can be very hard because especially if you had a mother who was competitive with you and did not these weren't things that just you kind of felt in the air, but she may have actually said this to you. She may have said this out loud. She may have said something as horrible, as horrible and wrong as you ruined her life out loud to you. And um, it can stay with you. And so hearing me say these things, you're you're thinking, like when I say this isn't your fault, it doesn't connect. Because everything in you has told you that this is your fault and that you have um, caused so much pain. And I want to remind you of something first before I continue to go. Your life is precious. You are valuable here on this earth. Your existence has been the source of so much love and joy. And there are things that you, only you can do in this world that no one else can do. No one else. And it doesn't matter what anyone has told you, but your mix, your makeup, your belief, your values, your height, your your body shape, your skin color, the, the way that you are here in this earth is purposeful and is intentional. And there is no mistake in you. There's no mistake in your existence. There's no mistake in, in your presence. There's no mistake even even. And what has brought you to this point, because it has informed you to let you know um, not only the things that you want, but the things that you don't want. And there are people who have had trauma, and sadly, that includes our mothers sometimes, that have had trauma that no one taught them how to work through, how to circumvent, that they had tragedies and things that happened that no one helped them with. And it made them feel hurt and it made them feel bitter and it made them, um, it may have really truly put them in some unfair situations. But you, as a helpless young little girl, as a young baby in this world, 
Your only job here was just to exist and be here. You did not come here to be someone's cure, to be someone's remedy, someone's solution that has always been on the onus of that person. And so sometimes it is easier when you are feeling very hopeless and when you are grieving what could have been and what might have been for you to find a person or a thing or a situation to really focus on and ruminate on. And if this was different, if this was better, then I would be better. But like I said earlier in this episode, at some point, let, let's let's just say that that's true. Let's say that something really bad and horrible happened to you that really threw you off base. How long are you going to allow that to stop you from moving forward? At some point, the onus is on you. It may explain what happened, but it doesn't, it may explain you, but it does not excuse you. And so if your mother has projected her unfulfilled dreams and her kind of learned helplessness and the reasons why she is kind of feeding this fear and insecurity that she's too old, that is too late, that she doesn't have enough, that she isn't enough and has put that onto you, that is between her and herself. That has nothing to do with you. And you as a daughter, going back to what I was saying about this being so confusing, you can see these things. And especially because you are a good daughter, the majority of the women that I work with feel the way I'm about to say is that you can see what's going on. You can see the impact of this. And it may even make you a little bit angry, but you love your mama so much that it pains you to see her in pain. It pains you to see someone that you see all the potential in, that you see all the beauty in, that you see all the talent in, that she cannot see for herself. And you want her to see it. You want her to feel better. You want her to um, have everything that she wants and desires. But the vitriol that comes at you is really painful too. And the vitriol is not only painful for you, but it stops her from being able to see that she has all the power and, and majesty and light in her hands that she's never lost it, right? That just like Dorothy always had those ruby red slippers that could take her home at any time, your mother has that in whatever form in her own life as well. And seeing that disconnect makes it hard for you because you really love her. But like I said, we're going to talk more about how to let all this go, this projected stuff go in our workshop. But I'm telling you right now, the thing that you need to do here is to understand that you are not a uh, intermediary, intermediary <laughs> for your mother having all of her dreams come true. Your mother is in charge of making her own dreams come true. You are in charge of building your own life. You are in charge of building what works for you. And her job in this world was to raise a daughter, to raise a woman, to be her best self. And by her doing that, she is successful. And whether or not that best self comes out as a chef or comes out as a school teacher or comes out as a stay-at-home mom or comes out as a podcaster or comes out as a sales associate at Nordstrom, she, as long as that woman is confident and standing on her feet and has built a healthy relationship of love and queendom on the inside of her, your mother has done her job. And that is something for her to be proud of. And if she cannot see that, that is for her to manage and work through, not you. 
A second reason why your mother may be competitive with you is if she has been unloved by men or by others, and you represent love that was so easily given to you uh, that she cannot connect with. So we have, or maybe in my world I have, but uh, I'm going to say we just for ease of telling this, but we hear lots of stories of mothers who are jealous of their daughter's relationships with their fathers. And because they feel like that daughter is getting kindness and attentiveness and love and tenderness and adoration and gifting and affection that the mother is not getting. And so you become the other woman. You become the mistress. You become the source of discord. And so she may treat you less than or treat you like the enemy because of what she has made up that there can only be one woman. There can only be one number one. And even though you are a child, uh, and even though you are her child, you are enemy of the state. And you are someone who needs to be taken down, either physically, um, either emotionally, for you to know your place, uh, for her to prove that you are not as good as your father or as other people say that you are by way of her showing how good, better she is in other areas of her life. And so that is how that may show up. It's going to be really painful because for some of us, this has put us in a lot of physical harm, not only by way of our relationship with our mother, whether or not there was physical or emotional abuse, but even with maybe keeping partners around that shouldn't have been there uh, that were threats or um, not listening to us when we have shared that we were uncomfortable about things. And so all of that makes it hard for us to trust that people are going to listen to us. It makes it, again, hard for us to trust other women and other relationships because our first core relationship has been with a woman who uh, was competitive with us when it came to men in our life, when it came to love and affection in our life, that withheld love and affection for us because they didn't want us to be spoiled or they didn't want us to um, get too comfortable with being loved and taken care of. And, you know, hopefully me saying that out loud, if it, you can hear how absurd that is, how strange that is. And maybe for some of you, it's not. Maybe you hear me say that and you're like, yeah, that's what I was taught. That's what I saw. You don't want to coddle kids too much. You don't want to hug your kids too much because then they're going to learn what, what, what finish that sentence. What are they going to learn? That your parents will always be there for you, that your parents will love you, that there's a safe space for you to cry when things get really hard, that you're, um, that there's such a thing as soft, gentle touch that doesn't want something from you that's not going to come back and hit you or want something sexual from you. Those are the messages that happens when a child is given love and affection and care consistently from a safe space. It, that is why it's called secure attachment, because it makes it easier for you to go out and trust yourself and trust the world. And also it lets you know that if there's anyone who does something that's not according to this safe space and safe base that I have, something's up. However, if my safe base withdraws love from me, doesn't give love to me, is there's, there's contingents attached to it, 
that when they are affectionate with me is because they want something else or love and affection means something sexual. So now that when I'm having normal love and affection with people, I think it has to go somewhere sexual. I don't trust that anyone wants something from me unless there is a sexual connection from it. Those are the types of messages that get implanted when we don't have that secure, healthy, consistent love and affection from our adults. And there is there is a balance between coddling and enabling. Um, but I think for many people who have had extreme restriction to affection and to love and to emotional care and nurturance, we are so far away from the coddling and enabling that it would be surprising to us just to be able to be held by someone just because and to so for someone to look in our eyes and just really adore us and love us just because that would probably be very jarring. And so that's part of what we are having to unlearn and learn how to lean into. And that body magic stuff that I have talked about is where this really comes into play. And going along with this, there's an example that I already shared before is she has learned another reason why your mother may be competitive with you is that she has learned that there can only be one person in the room that is the best, that for her to feel good enough, she has to trump everybody in the room. And sometimes you can be the source of this. This can also be other people in the room. She has to be the one who looks the best. She has to be the one that's the funniest. She has to be the one who's telling the best jokes. She has to be the one who has to fly his purse. She has to be the one who's making the most money. Um, She has to be that person and she will crush and dominate anyone who is standing in that path. And so you coming up, uh, whether or not it's your youth or your beauty or your hope in life, or again, compliments or things that are just so non-threatening, and just innocuous and just neutral in this world, um, it can kind of come out of nowhere. Uh, the the put downs and the, the knocking you down and the um, wanting to one up you and Trump was going on that you just know it just hits you in your gut and it just doesn't feel good. And you don't understand where that's coming from. But, you know, when people have low self-esteem and this comes from the work of Pia Melody, uh, the, uh, this is at least where I learned it from. I don't know if she's pulled it from other places, but Pia Melody is one of the people who has done a lot of work and written a lot of books about love addiction. One of the things that she teaches in her model is that when people are coming from a place of low self-esteem, usually there's two ways that this may show up, either by needing to go one up or going one down. So one up is what I've already shared. They're so insecure that they need to find a way that they are better than other people in the room. So if there's a lot of beautiful women in the room, then she may go towards in her mind, well, at least I'm the most professionally successful here. If there's a lot of people in the room who have a whole lot of money, well, at least I'm the prettiest in the room, or at least I'm the smallest person in the room, or whatever it may be. But she she has to do something in her mind to justify her existence and justify that she belongs places by going one up. One down is, I feel worse than everybody in this room. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm aware that I don't belong in this room, or at least that I feel like I don't belong in this room. When other people give me compliments, I downplay them. It's hard for me to receive them and I will push it away. So 
either both of those are ways to protect a person from actually being in touch with their core self. Um, with their core self, they would actually have to believe that they are good enough and that there's space for other people without having to beat them out, which is difficult for the person who goes one up. And for the person who goes one down, it's very scary to believe that you are good enough because then what if someone knocks you down? What if someone proves that you are actually an imposter and that you're actually not the person that you really want to be? So it's better just to downplay your existence and your value. And so your your journey is towards really embodying that person and being expansive versus being restrictive and versus being competitive. And so um, your mother, if she has not learned how to really esteem herself um, because she had to fight for everything and she had to prove that she was better than everyone, um, that goes for literally everyone, everyone who's in her path, including you. Okay. So... That is a lot, but I hope that by sharing this, that this gives you some insight of what may have been happening, if these are things that you have not explored and unpacked previously in therapy or by way of other places that you are learning about your relationships and your trauma and all of that. These these are really important things for us to learn and to break down and to work through. I have noticed that whenever I do my mother workshops, they are the ones that the tears come, uh, you know, no matter how, how impactful or juicy any of the other topics are, this is the one that usually gets us in our fields because there's so much for us to work through and to unpack. And so I'm looking forward to teaching this workshop. Um, this will be the third mother wound workshop that I've taught and I'm really excited about my approach for this one because it's going to be uh, different than some of the ways that I've treated and taught these methods before. There's going to be some more information as well. And so I look forward to us coming together in a few weekends to really break this down and to heal from it and to cut ties from all these messagings and all of these weights that have been put on us that have were never ours to deal with in the first place. So I would love to see you at our Cutting Ties with Our Mother Wounds and Other Family Trauma Workshop on Saturday, February 24th at 10 a.m. CST. If you are not able to join me live because you are working, because you are in another time zone, because you got kids around you, because there's a family gathering that day, you can still enroll in the workshop. You will get access to the replay. You're able to submit questions about your specific situation as well. And I will um, answer all those questions and coach everyone through what is submitted to me. And you are able to keep this workshop uh, for life. So that is it for now. Oh, did I say the link? Go to blackgirlsheal.org slash 2024-2024 in order to save your seat and have access to that. And make sure you enroll right when you feel like this is for you. A lot of times people procrastinate. And I notice that if I don't send the, um, the right amount of reminder emails, there's always folks who register at the last minute. And I would hate for the procrastination bug to get a hold of you, especially if you're not on the mailing list. So as soon as you hear me talk about workshops and talk about offerings, and you're like, that is what I need. Go ahead, stop what you're doing, pause your your walk, open your browser, click on the link and go ahead and register. Use your little Apple Pay button 
um, and save your seat. So it's one less thing for you to worry about and so that you can set yourself up for success. So that's it for now. I'm sending you all so much love and I'll see you in our next episode. Take care. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors.